Welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a hopeful and helpful resource from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church in Utah. Each week we will be hearing from our staff as we explore what makes SMCC unique, as well as what it means to be fully devoted and fully delighted in Jesus Christ. We hope this podcast can be a helpful resource for you to take your next step with Jesus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. My name is Adam and I get to serve as the pastor of Central Ministries here at South Mountain Community Church. And with me, I have Pastor Eric and Pastor Trevor uh, with me today. And we're continuing in a a discussion about head, heart, and hands. And today, because it's the second week of it, talk about heart. Yeah, really excited to be here. Uh, Last Sunday, I was at the International Campus talking about Cabeza, Corazon, and Manos. So guys, I learned three nice. words in Spanish, but that's head, heart, hands. And th- the great thing is, is that this concept of discipleship, our paradigm for discipleship, translates well into other languages. So I was at the international campus, and then last night, uh, Monday night, I was with our, our Bucaramanga uh, body of Christ, our partner church in Colombia, doing the same thing, head, heart, and hands. And I realized that um, it, head, heart, hands translates to other languages well. And that is a really good thing because it means it's clear. And uh, so I'm just so, so excited to build um, on this concept this week by talking about uh, the heart and how we equip people in the heart. Excellent. Yeah, I'm glad that we get to come back to this. I, I meet people, honestly, personally, every weekend that <laughs> love it when the podcast is up and going. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that uh, we can give this to people. So we talked a lot about head last week, mm-hmm. um, about the head, and uh, thought that was helpful. So if you missed that, go back and listen to it. I think it's complementary to this material. But today we're talk- talking about the heart, and there's a lot of good things to go through with this. Yeah, I thought I would just start by framing up for us again what this is all about, and then uh, diving into how we equip people in their hearts. We'll have to define what a heart is, uh, talk about something that's really important to me, this concept of people fuel for the heart and uh, how heart connects to identity, which is a part of full devotion. So, you know, once again, to to bring this all together, here at SMCC, in the next chapter of our ministry, we want to take the precision of Sunday and build on it Monday through Friday. Uh, Jesus is bigger than Sunday. 150 people have bought hoodies that say that. So people are excited about this idea that that we want to follow him every day of our lives in every area of our lives, and those areas nicely break down into head, heart, in hands. Um, now at SMCC, we have a mission statement. We are trying to help as many people as possible take their next step towards becoming fully devoted and fully delighted. Uh, we don't have the word disciple in there, but a, deci- a disciple is somebody who's fully devoted and fully delighted. That's discipleship. Um, so devotion is important to talk about. A lot of churches, religious communities talk about devotion in terms of just what you do. It's completely about activity. Well, as we read the Bible, we've discovered that the gospel has to do with authority, identity, and activity. So full full devotion is those three categories. Mm -hmm. I delight in submitting to what Jesus says, not what I say or anybody else says. I delight in defining myself in the way that Jesus defines me. What he says about me is who I am, not in what I can do for myself or how I define myself or what I accomplish. So my identity is found in Christ. And then third, I delight in doing for others what he has done for me. That's really loving people. And so um, because authority, identity, and activity is a bit philosophical, a bit abstract, admittedly, uh, I understand that, uh, we wanted to break it down in an even more clear way, and that is to say authority is your head or your mind, identity is your heart, activity is your hand. So we want to equip people in their head, 
their heart and their hands. And Ephesians 4 really is the marching orders for that. In Ephesians 4, we see the Apostle Paul talk to pastors and teachers and say, your job is to equip people in the local church for works of service. That's with the hands so that you'll be built up in knowledge. That's the heart so that you're united. Uh, excuse me. That's the head so that you're united in love. That's the heart. That's the discipleship paradigm we have here. So I want as many people as possible to ask themselves every day, have I honored Jesus with my head, heart, and hands today? Adam, have you? Boy, today, um, you man, dis- are you a disciple good, today, Adam? That is a good question. Hey, I thought about this last week. Okay. I, my neighbor needed help packing stuff in his moving truck. Perfect. I remember you talking about mowing the lawn for your neighbor, and I yep. thought, I'm going to exercise You this. put your hands to work. I was trying to winterize my sprinklers that day. Okay. And you set that aside. To do hands. That, there you go, man. Did That's it. great. That's there great. I woke, well up, I woke up this morning and thought, Jesus, I want to I wanna, um, engage with you in my mind today. I turned on a sermon. I opened up Luke chapter 4, began to study for our next sermon series, and uh, really learned. Uh, it was really, really uh, enjoyable. I had lunch with you gentlemen today. Our hearts were connected. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I was thinking to myself, head, heart, hands. Are they engaged today as a follower of Jesus? And um, I like what I see. I think there's some fruit. Trevor, What do you? Th- how about you, man? You're on yeah. life. No, it's good. I remember you, uh, you know, uh, talking about serving with our hands, and then you talked about needing help moving, and so that nice connection together, you know, I was like, yeah, I can jump in and help with that. Trevor's going <laughs> to... Yeah, yeah, I put yeah. it on your performance <laughs> review, your evaluations. <laughs> help, um, you help the boss move. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. No, that's really, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting way, though, to think about going through your day, through your week. Uh, am, I, am I serving with my, or engaging with God uh, as a disciple? in my head, my heart, in my hands. And uh, so, yeah, it's yeah. quite the checklist. Yeah. If you were to go through that every day, I'd say that'd be, that'd be a good challenge yeah, to, ab- to walk through. Absolutely. Um, and so anyways, so head, heart, hands, that's our discipleship paradigm. Um, we want to make it easy for people to engage those things here through our ministry. So we got podcasts and sermons and classes for the head. We got uh, groups and sermons for the heart. And then and then we got ministry teams, both inside and outside the walls of our church for hands. Adam, talk a little bit about the hands initiative going on with the uh, ministry partner, the Pregnancy Resource Center. Yeah. Or yeah. even with HOH. I mean, I see a lot of hands initiatives popping up around our church. Yeah, there is. We have, you know, this idea as a church that we should have ministry partners. So ministries that are outside of SMCC, um, that we get to partner with uh, in several different ways, including financially um, supporting them. Um, and that can be locally or globally. And the uh, partners that you're speaking of are local partners. Um, so coming up uh, late November, we will have a hands initiative that involves a couple different things. Um, it's specifically with hands, it's actually um, doing some things. I'm helping the Pregnancy Resource Center of Salt Lake City organize um they have an area where they collect supplies for new mothers lots of new mothers and uh they always need the help keeping it organized and making sure things are where they should be in that storage and then as well with hoh um helping to um wrap gifts that have been donated Mm -hmm. for families uh coming out of a polygamy background kids uh, mothers and helping doing some wrapping for that making that a really special thing for them so there's just yeah there's some cool ways to, to get practical with that I love that. I love that. So a uh, perfect example of hands. Now, uh, as we talk today about heart, uh, focus in on what is an identity, what is our heart, I thought we'd frame it up with Mark uh, chapter 12. Uh, we looked at this mm-hmm. verse um, together uh, on Sunday, um, but, uh, but I love this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Teachers of the law. I mean, this is a guy who um, was very religious, you know, it, it admittedly was, was very involved with his mind and probably his hands. Um, 
when we hear law, don't hear lawyer, hear Old Testament expert, right? Like that's, mm. that's the yeah. law in this setting. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, of all the commandments, what is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. There you go. We're going to talk about that today. Mm -hmm. Jesus goes on, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, Trevor, imagine an astute listener at SMCC came up and said, oh, head, heart, hands, that's pretty good. What about soul? Mm-hmm. How, how, do you, how do you answer that question? <laughs> yeah, I would say part Four's of... Four too many. We just had to pick three, and they all start with H. Three's we, better. We went with it. Yeah, exactly. That's one way of getting at it. Another way is just saying that uh, part of what he's getting at in this passage, and even with soul, is like, love God with the totality of your being. Mm-hmm. And so that is... Um, that's really it. And so head, heart, hands is a way of understanding every piece of us. And uh, soul is kind of getting at that, like the totality of who you are. Well said. Mm-hmm. Totality. I'm going to steal that word from you. Um, so there we have it. Jesus says that we should love God with our hearts. And then he goes on to say, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so together, uh, we see this idea of heart in these two commandments, which really are, are one. So let's break it down, guys. Um, Taylor Swift likes to sing about the heart. A lot of people are talking about the heart. You got ask God into your heart. Um, What's a heart? What is it? I mean, it's not an organ. I mean, it is an organ (laughs) pumping blood. But when we say heart in our uh, language, we don't really mean that all the time. We mean something more than that. So take take a stab at it. What have you heard in in terms of what a heart is? How, How do you guys define heart? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Ted being um, being authority, and so there's this idea of what is the authority in my life, um, and you can go back and listen to last week if you want more detail on that, and we, we've tried to make this connection of heart is uh, identity, so it's who we are, uh-huh. um, how do we identify ourselves, like who do we, what is the story we tell ourselves about ourselves? Yeah is part of that. Mm, yeah. um, we use heart to also talk about relationships and how at SMCC we measure maturity um, by how well we love God and love others. And that's a helpful thing as yeah. well. Um, and those things, it's interesting, are, are, are pretty dependent, not in, uh, independent of each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, loving God and loving others, they, they stick together. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you talking about that. I think uh, one of the things that um, could be misleading about head, heart, hands is that we were talking about them over three weeks, which makes them feel pretty... Uh, disjointed. They are not. They are absolutely all all linked together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we talked about how, so instead of thinking of an idea as a siloed idea, yeah. we're thinking of them as a Venn diagram. Yeah, a- absolutely. So if I have a negative emotion in my life, or I have, I have insecurity in my life, and that happens from time to time, I probably have a thought connected to that. Mm-hmm. So I'm convinced that my thinking leads to my feeling inside of my heart, um, I'm, I'm convinced that a good definition of heart is the motivational headquarters of your lives or the central hub of who you are. It's really where your emotions abide. Um, so if I have pain in my life, it doesn't live in my mind necessarily. It lives in my heart. I feel it in yeah. my heart, the totality of who I am, but it's connected to a thought about who I am. And so mm-hmm. your thinking drives your feeling. Obviously your feeling drives your behaving or your activity. Um, and so, I mean, just think of any relationship when you're feeling something strongly, it's going to lead you to do something strongly. And so they're absolutely connected. I think um, head, heart, hands in that order is the appropriate order. I think that's how God has yeah. kind of wired us to experience the world. Um, so yeah, your heart is sort of, when we say that, we're talking about the totality of who you are. We sort of take soul and heart and wrap them together, Trevor, to your, yeah. to your point. And, and I think um, your heart is where your identity abides. Your heart is where your emotions seem to dwell, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And um, so when someone says, have you asked Jesus into your heart? I used to be like super grumpy about that. Like, that's not in the Bible. I'm like, well, 
it's Jesus being a, a part of every part of you. Mm-hmm. I've asked Jesus to be the king, the ruler, the authority of every aspect of my life when heart is really the central hub of who I am. If it, my heart is where my identity abides and I want Jesus in my heart, then I'm saying all my, my identity is found in you. So although it's a, you know, it's a little elementary to say, ask Jesus into your heart, uh, once you break down the terms, I just don't, I don't think it's unbiblical. Yeah. Um, yeah. We sure. can, and we can say for our example, in in this series, heart is much more focusing on relationships and, um, yeah, there you, uh, you use your heart to, uh, to mm-hmm. form and maintain a mature relationship with God and relationship with others. So that, that works there. Yeah. That's yeah. a great segue too. So if our, if our minds are growing mature with theological competency, our hearts are growing mature with relational and emotional competency, right? Yeah. So yep. that's really important. Yeah. Trevor, what do you, how do you talk about heart? Yeah, I like the the connection, kind of the intersection between identity and uh, relational and emotional maturity. Um, I know Pete Scazzaro, a uh, pastor and author, he talks about uh, we can't be spiritually mature unless we become emotionally mature, that those two things are interrelated. And wow. um, I think one of the ways I see that, I really like the language of your heart is where your identity abides. I remember this time uh, I had joined a uh, my wife and I were going to this church, and we had been going there for a while, hadn't gotten kind of all that well connected, and then eventually we joined a small group, and we're uh, getting to know people there. And at the time, I was just kind of, you know, a poor college student, um, wasn't, uh, didn't have a degree, wasn't do, working a really sweet job or anything like that, and the church we went to was filled with people w- with, like, great degrees and sweet jobs, and they were very shiny, and, uh, <laughs> and so I remember going into the small group, and feeling so insecure because I was surrounded by people who were performing so well in life. Uh, and really, in that moment, what I was doing is I was looking at my own identity through the lens of performance, and it's causing insecurity because I was around other people who perform better, mm-hmm. uh, or were at least in that, in that season, just really impressive people in a way you could say. So, but I think where the growth came in heart for me in that season was as I actually got to know them, to be in relationship with them, I realized that they weren't looking at me through the lens of my performance uh, and judging me or seeing me as less than in that way, um, but they were looking at me through the lens of an identity in Christ as someone who God has extended uh, you know, indescribable love to and someone who's worthy of relationship and of attention because of that. And as in, they were able to do that because they understood themselves through the lens of uh, an identity in Christ as well. Right? They weren't looking at themselves through the lens of performance. And and that enabled me to grow in relationship uh, and really to grow in heart in that coming to understand that, you know, my own identity is in Christ. And when I'm secure in that, it doesn't matter who I'm surrounded by. I can relate to them. I can care for them because I can see them through the lens of, uh, through the lens of Christ, really, and his love for them that he's extended for them, poured out for them. Uh, and I don't have to be shaken by, you know, yeah. whatever status they happen to have. That's powerful, man. I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, that's a big reason why we have small groups, um, because we are convinced that a gospel identity leads to gospel community. And inside of that community, your identity is reinforced. Your identity matures. That's exactly what you've experienced. That's why we have we make a big deal of, of small groups here mm-hmm. at SMCC. Mm-hmm. So what is an identity? I mean, you mentioned it earlier. It's a story you tell yourself about yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Keller, in an article I read recently, said if he, he's a pastor and author in, in New York, he's just retired, and, but he's still very influential. I mean, he's, he's like kind of the pope of evangelicalism in some ways. <laughs> yeah. um, he said, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would preach way more on identity. And I, I appreciated mm-hmm. him saying that because it's been something I've been drawn to. Um, 
he says that your identity is your sense of self or your sense of worth. It's the answer to the question, who am I really? It's the story you tell yourself about yourself. Um, I made a joke over the weekend that, you know, your, your idea is not what you hand to a police officer when you get pulled over, although mm-hmm. you do. It's what you show to yourself throughout your life to mm-hmm. remind you of who you are. And yeah. that comes from something. Your identity is either found in uh, the strongest feelings that you have. Your identity is found perhaps in how you perform. It's in what people say about you. It's in what's been done to you. It's in what mm-hmm. you do. Um, and in all of that, people find a sense of self or a sense of worth. So, for example, back to performance, which I think is one of the most common ones, Trevor, yeah. is my identity uh, and my value, my sense of self, my sense of worth and value, same thing, kind of using mm-hmm. those words interchangeably. My value goes up when my performance goes up. Mm-hmm. So that's a dangerous way to live, though. Um, you know, in my own life, wow, lead, lead pastor all of a sudden in your mid-30s. That's pretty significant, Eric. If I let that message go to my head, my identity is found in my performance, which means I better not fail, which means the pressure I will be enslaved to, mm-hmm. I won't be a healthy leader. I'll be a horrible mm-hmm. lead pastor if I, if I have it to get my sense of self and my sense of value from my job title. That's not a good way to live your life for any of yeah. us. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so another example, though, would be uh, the danger here is if I fail, if I struggle, if I can't hack it in any area of life and my identity is found in performing in that area and I failed, well, now my value is enslaved to failure. It's a, so my worth is as fickle as my, my last mm-hmm. bad sermon or my last yeah. bad yeah. conversation with my wife or, you know, the last bad deal, you know, that I made or whatever, if it's business or something, um, your last bad game, if you're in the NFL, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. you don't want to live that way. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I found so refreshing about a PGA tour golfer, Scotty Scheffler recently, he won the masters, but he's been struggling of late. And he's just is so clear. My identity is not found in my golf. If it goes up and down, my worth actually stays the same. I'm like, mm. bro, you just missed a putt for like $5 million. Are you serious? <laughs> but he's understood that, you know? Yeah. So anyways, uh, an identity, your sense of self, sense of worth, who you are, the best way to get an identity is for someone you adore to adore you. And that's the idea of being adopted as a child of God, that mm. when I've been placed into Christ because God has given me an identity, he's given me a name, uh, that's above everything. That will never change. Mm-hmm. And so when you see your worth in Christ through what Christ has done, both in his life, death, and resurrection, you have this immense value already mm-hmm. from Christ. And that's where I want us to be. And I want that type of identity, that rich worth, to dwell inside of everybody's heart. Um, because that would mean that their identity is shaping all that they do and their heart can mature from there, living that identity out. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to truly buy it and believe it when the pressure's on. And we want to equip people with that type of experience. Um, and it is reinforced through community. So that's like the gospel piece, sort of the vertical Mm -hmm. piece of a heart and identity. The horizontal piece, Adam, to, to your point is the relationship piece. Yeah, And that's where small groups come in, that in relationships we're exchanging nutrients or people fuel, mm-hmm. heart yeah. to heart, heart to heart, and we have to grow mature in that area. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a couple thoughts that I'm thinking through with that as you talk, Eric. If maybe a listener's trying to understand a little bit more about what identity is, I could p- maybe put a little bit more skin on it. So you might have heard the word before, worldview. And um, so, so that is how a person views the world, basically. How should it function? Why is it where, you know, uh, what, what is right and wrong? All these types of things could be mm-hmm. in that. 
really what the way that I see identity is how do I view myself in the world? Mm. What lens am I putting in to say, okay, so this, it's kind of like almost a third person thing. How am I like, how do I view myself in, in, right. in all these things and things like that? So, um, maybe that helps somebody to, uh, to, to understand that a little bit more. There's a quick video on our YouTube channel about identity. Mm. Um, my favorite illustration of identity is to use a deck of cards mm. and say, look, Inside the deck, there are a lot of different titles or identities I have. I'm a dad, I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a coworker, a colleague, I'm a manager, I'm a neighbor, I'm a golfer, I'm a hockey coach. You got all these identities in the deck. Christian is in there, you know. But what what t- card is your top card? Uh, because the top card is the card that gets played first in every scenario of life. Mm-hmm. And have you got, you've met people, mm-hmm. and I'm sure I've done this too, where my top card at a party is like, "Hey, I'm this, so I'm a big deal." Mm. And it wasn't Jesus follower. Mm-hmm. It was, I'm this good at this thing, you know, or mm-hmm. I have accomplished this or whatever it is. Everybody has a top card that you play first when life is going bad. Well, hey, at least, don't worry. At least you still have that much money in your bank account. Mm. At least you still have that job title. At least you still have that many direct reports. At least you have mm-hmm. this thing that's bigger than other things or, you know, whatever it might be. Everybody has a top card that they play first. Yep. I want in Christ to be that top card that we mm-hmm. play first. Mm-hmm. It's the healthiest approach because that top card makes you a better dad, a better friend. It makes everything else healthier because no. you're not trying to get your worth out of a different role from people. Mm-hmm. Now you can actually show up to love them and not need anything from them because you have everything you need for your identity from Jesus already. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea of a top card Christian. Uh, my friend Lacey on her Twitter account one time or maybe it was her Instagram, like in the bio, it said top card Christian, which it sounds really weird to most people, unless you were there the day we did the deck of cards <laughs> illustration. Yeah. Um, but top card Christian, that that's an, another way to illustrate this idea of identity. Yeah. I think it's super interesting as we're talking about heart. Uh, there could be a listener out there that um, would say, yeah, I believe my identity is, you know, in Christ. Um, yeah, I think I've worked on my head, my heart, all these things. And, and, and yet I feel like my relationship with God is not where I want it to be. And as we talk about hearts, I think it's important to discuss how important it is when we're talking about loving God and loving others better, that our relationship with God is grown and, um, uh, made more healthy through people, through relationships yeah. I feel like you could talk on that forever. Yeah, there. I mean, so we have this value here. We measure maturity by how well we love God and love others. So that's really what maturity is after. So that value is all about the heart. We want people mm-hmm. asking the question, what does love require? Right. I've been around Christians long enough to know sometimes Christians are the worst of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. Maybe they think they're so right theologically that they can be so wrong relationally. I don't know where that comes yeah, from. Yeah. It's just not Christianity. But unfortunately, Christians, if you've been mistreated by a Christian out there, like, and, and I'm sure I've been that Christian, like, oh, man, I don't want to apologize for that. But, but sometimes, and really it's probably just people in general, <laughs> but for whatever reason, I think maybe that the expectation goes up for Jesus followers because like, hello, the one you call your, you name yourself after a Christian was the epitome of love and mercy and relational health. Like, why are you so far from it? You know, but really relational immaturity exists everywhere. Uh, it's the one thing I wasn't prepared for when I became a an adult pastor, a pastor of adults. I thought, well, clearly middle schoolers can act this way because they're middle schoolers. Adults, <laughs> though, might be worse. The stakes are way higher too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh my goodness, no one, no one told me this. But um, 
immaturity exists everywhere. And so growing mature uh, in the heart, uh, it happens in so many areas of life. It, of course, it's an identity thing, but also it's a relational thing. It's in your ability to attach to others. Mm-hmm. Uh, attachment's a word that's been very important to me recently. Um, I consider myself a people person, um, high on woo, uh, warmth, positivity, and yet pretty low in my ability to attach to people. And over the last few years, God's kind of shown me that through some great people. And great people have shown me what it looks like to attach. And I've seen myself grow. So what happens is that God uses people in our lives, these providential people that he brings into our lives at the right time, to pour into our hearts. And I think that if you're a Jesus follower and you're like, my relationship with God isn't where I want it to be, I probably need to learn more. Perhaps that's not the case. Perhaps it's you need to be in the right community. Now, the problem with that is that when you jump into community, everybody else is trying to figure this out too. And so community is incredibly messy. Mm. So it's not even so much, well, I went to a small group from church once and those people weren't any better. I understand that. <laughs> yeah. Um, what we're trying to get at is just the, the long, hard journey of developing like those lifelong friendships with shared values, shared purposes, people headed in the same direction, that type of community where you can be fully known and fully loved, it's hard to get to. It takes mm-hmm. so much vulnerability. C.S. Lewis says, uh, you can't really be friends unless you're headed in the same direction together. Otherwise, you're just wandering. I don't remember the exact quote, Trevor, maybe you do, but he basically says your friendship has to be about something more than the friendship. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's true. So when, you, when you're focused on this community I'm a part of is all about maturing a gospel identity in each person who's in the group. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's a different type of community. And yeah. uh, I've been a Christian 18 years. I have like a handful of friends like that. So it takes a long time to, to develop that. But, uh, and the best time to start, just like the best time to plant an oak tree, 20 mm-hmm. years ago, guys. Next best time, <laughs> right, right now. now. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I don't know, Adam, if that gets at the heart and the significance of it. But um, yeah, getting trained up in how God's wired the heart. Um, mm-hmm. a, a great resource for that would be our series, People Fuel. It was called, a series called Let Them In, actually, based yeah. on a book called People Fuel. Um, I know Carissa just took our wives, well, she is my wife, took your wives, our, our pastor's mm-hmm. wives, mm-hmm. through a little training on that, and I took our staff through that. What does mm-hmm. it look like um, for our hearts to, de- to develop and, and mature? And um, yeah. it requires other people. God uses other people for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, I just want um, I want that thought to be out there because there could be a listener who's just trying to figure that out and who uh, might be hyper-focused on, well, I need to love God. Um, how do I do that better? How is my relationship uh, mature and grow in God? And the truth of it is, is it's pretty difficult to do all those things, to grow that relationship with God, to feel... Um, man, I'm, I'm, I'm on the right track. I'm growing. I'm taking my next steps outside of those, those relationships with sharing that, that more, that bigger common purpose. Um, so to somebody listening, you know, if you're, if you're trying to figure that out, I just want you to know like that resource is there. You're, you're wired that way. Um, and, uh, and it's helpful for you and it's healing for you to be in those relationships and to grow in that way. Yeah. So when it comes to now, so this is kind of the, the big concept behind the heart. So when it comes to equipping the heart, like guys, what are some, what are some things that a person's heart needs in order to be equipped to love? I mean, Mm -hmm. how would you guys break that down? Whether it's in your relationship with your parents, with your kids, with your spouse, with a stranger on the street, with a staff member, like how? 
Let's, let's talk you know, now about some hmm. tangible ways that a heart, we know a heart is mature. Hmm, what, yeah. what would be some examples? I, I would say the first thing is actually uh, in connection with the line that you had said, your heart is where your identity abides, that uh, I think before anything else, um, you have to know how to abide in your identity in Christ. And so that means in every situation, how do you play that card? Yeah. What does it look like? It's even just like saying to yourself, you know, my identity is found in Christ. Just like a, a silent refrain in the, in the context of your own head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is kind of first and foremost. And that is sort of the foundation that all the other emotional and relational stuff builds on. Mm. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So, um, Trevor, how long have you been married now, you and Megan? Ten years. Ten. Yeah. Is your anniversary coming up, or just uh, you just did it? Had it. Oh, yeah. What did you guys do? Did you do anything fun? Uh, we were back in the Midwest, so yeah, we were actually back in the same time we got married in. Okay, cool. Uh, so it was a nice little color tour. Uh, nice. See the fall colors, and uh, yeah, it was it was good. We went out to dinner. Nice. Yeah. If if Megan was here and she was like, over ten years, I've seen Trevor's heart mature. Well, how would she talk about that? Do you think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh Isn't man, it's fun to put you it's on a good spot? question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or how have you seen her heart mature, maybe? Maybe maybe that one's easier. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I would say... Uh, no, actually, I know how to answer that. Uh, one of the things would be that both of us... I mean, we both have good relationships with our... Like, with all of our parents, we all have good relationships. Uh, and yet, both of us, we both come from homes uh, marked by divorce. And, uh, and some other things in the mix there, too. And so, with that, um, I know when I came to faith at 19, some of the early things that I had to work through in the context of my own heart was dealing with some of the things that I had never faced that were just completely unresolved from mm. uh, kind of the fallout of my parents' divorce as a you know middle schooler. And so I had to work through those things. And same thing with her and her own, her own family, own relationships. And uh, so I did that, and I was like, all right, I'm good. And then uh, got married, and then uh, had to work through it. Kind of all of a sudden mm. it resurfaced again and had to work through it. And then the big one was when we had our first kid. I was like, all of, especially all of these things, because it was a parent-child thing, everything resurfaced. And I was like, I have to deal with this in a whole, like in a, on a whole another level. And I hadn't expected that. And so it's interesting how some of the aspects of the heart of working through it, um, they kind of, they happen um, in layers, right? Like an onion. And you kind of have to keep working through it as different circumstances in your own life change and they resurface. Uh, the other thing would be, she didn't see me cry for probably like the first eight or nine years of our marriage. <laughs> and uh, it was actually, we, we went through um, we went through a pretty difficult experience when some health issues arose for, for her in an unexpected way. And uh, afterwards, there was a, a trauma counselor who's a friend of ours and just an absolute gift who went to our church, and she met with us. And uh, in the context of that meeting, kind of talking about what we'd been through, I just broke down and was like sobbing. And it was the first time I'd cried in front of anyone since I was a kid. Wow. And uh, so that, that was a big, um, a big thing for me, a big step. And then now that has happened more and more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, for everybody listening to Trevor just modeled for all of us uh, what a mature heart does, and that's being vulnerable. A mature heart is equipped to be vulnerable in appropriate ways. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of people, leaning into vulnerability like you just did, is off limits. They're not trained in that, skilled in that. They've never mm-hmm. been shown that. Um, they've never experienced the mismatching experience of someone being open from the heart. Mm-hmm. And Trevor, you just did that here in the podcast. So thanks for doing that. But but you just gave people a living example of a mature heart. A mature heart is capable of owning their thoughts and feelings and being vulnerable, sharing that with others. And I think we've all been around people whose hearts are closed off and we can't connect to them. 
Uh, I have a friend recently and we were having lunch and um, the lunch was going the way all the lunches go when I meet with this friend where they just riff about all the crazy things they're doing. It's just, I did this and we're doing this and I have this mm. idea. And they just go on and on. And, and at one point this person said to me, Eric, I'd like to be a closer friend with you. And I said, can I tell you why that's not possible? Every time we go to lunch, you talk about you and all your strengths. I cannot connect to that. If you'd mm. like to be close, I'm going to need some vulnerability. And mm. I'm going to be vulnerable with you right now. Here's why mm. I can't connect to you. And um, I don't know if that was mean to say that or whatever, but I was like, this relationship is not working because it's not a relationship. You're just mm. pitching something to me. You're mm -hmm. just selling me, trying to impress me for whatever reason. I, I don't know. Maybe I've created that in the relationship. But, mm. but what I'm going to need for our hearts to connect is some vulnerability. Yep. And, uh, well, we haven't connected since, but uh, <laughs> at least we have something to go off of there is yeah, that yeah. Um, an equipped heart, a maturing heart with a gospel identity is able to be open and vulnerable. That's a huge skill set. Like just how your mind needs to have a good hermeneutic for reading the Bible, your heart has to have a good understanding of vulnerability. Absolutely. To have a close relationship. Hard to be fully, we want to be fully known and fully loved. Because if they only love what they know about us and what they know about us is our guarded version, then they don't actually love us. They just love mm -hmm. the cleaned up version of us. So if you want someone to really love you, you got to be vulnerable about who you really are so then they can really love all of you. Mm -hmm. And um, in order, so I want to equip people with just, and, and basically all we're talking about is EQ here. This is emotional yep. intelligence. It's how mm -hmm. we are wired as people. Yep. So that is a really clear example of an equipping heart. It's it's walking through what Trevor walked through, but it's also having vulnerability. Adam, you've taken some strides yeah. in this area. Yeah. Well, a couple of things I'm thinking about. So one, just off of what you were both just talking about, a resource for somebody that would be incredibly helpful if, if this is striking a chord with you and you're trying to process this for yourself. There's a great book um, written decades ago, actually, by Dr. John Townsend called Hiding from Love. And it is about how... Um, understandably so, we get uh, we get hurt in relationships or things that are happen uh, in our lives. It could happen when you were really young. It could have happened recently. But you learn hiding habits to protect yourself. Mm. And there are some hiding habits that are good for you. That um, there there are things where it's like I a, absolutely a boundary. Basically. A boundary yeah. is another way of saying it. Absolutely. Yep. Um, and then there's many boundaries or hiding uh, behaviors that we have that are simply not healthy. And, um, it could be that, yeah, when you, when you were, somebody else goes out with a friend that, that is, you know, yeah, constantly bringing up strengths and this is all the things I'm doing, you know, all these things that could be a hiding habit that they've learned because, um, they, they have, they have been hurt before and they just don't know what else to do, but to say, I'm going to protect myself from this. Mm -hmm. So that vulnerability is scary for yeah. them. And I want your love. And I feel like I'll only get your love if I'm an important person to you. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk to you about how important I am, Yep. Mm -hmm. but that's actually counterintuitive to real relationships. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And so really, how does a local church equip the heart, you know, besides just preaching about it, which in this podcast, we're helping your mind understand the heart, which is valuable. But I think the, be the best thing for me is actually being around people who connected to my heart because they were emotionally mature in their hearts. They were mm -hmm. mature in their hearts. Um, and so for me, that was through a, a cohort of, of people uh, at the Townsend Institute that I, I recently uh, spent time with. I'm in a cohort, a life group with some guys, and um, they, uh, they are mature in their heart, and so they help me feel safe uh, to be vulnerable with mine. And as I put my heart into those mismatching experiences, um, 
it's it's kind of like going to the gym for the heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the heart is pushing weight. You know, it's it's yep. straining itself in a way. And really, it's not my organ, but like you know, the who I am, my emotions are are, are being worked in a way they haven't been worked before, uh, and they're starting to come to life. Mm-hmm. And that's where I've seen the most growth in my life. So basically, you can't learn all this from reading a book. You have to get with people who will help your emotions, your heart feel safe with theirs. That type of experience is the type of thing that truly does grow your heart. And so that's a lofty task. I mean, I've been in small groups where it was like everybody just talked about how much they knew from the Bible. And that's Mm -hmm. not the type of small group we want here. Mm -hmm. We want small groups to be a lecture lab environment where the sermon was the lecture. The small group is now the lab to live this out. But really, what are we living out? Well, we want to create small groups with a culture of people fuel in them. Small mm-hmm. groups become a culture of mismatching experiences where there's such safety and vulnerability um, that the heart, the heart of each person is actually being equipped mm-hmm. to pour mm-hmm. into another. So when someone in the group says, I'm struggling this week, uh, so-and-so in my life is suffering, or, um, I mean, this has happened recently, uh, my daughter, not my daughter personally, but someone in my small group, their daughter tried to commit suicide, and they share that in the small group. And the way the small group responds is a very clear indicator to me of the maturity of the hearts in the group. And how that group responds will reinforce for the person who shared it how open they can be with their heart. Mm -hmm. So if someone in the group says, oh, it'll be okay, God would never, you know, it's like, whoa, 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 that is not an equipped heart. You know, Mm -hmm. cliche Christian lines, Mm -hmm. it's not an equipped heart. Mm -hmm. An equipped heart says something like, I have no idea what to say. We will sit here in silence as long as we need to. Mm -hmm. This is your time. You have the floor. You know, just whatever the heart's going to do in that moment, um, I want our small group leaders to be equipped to stay in the pain. This is one of the biggest things I've learned in my heart is that negative emotion was, was and kind of is, but I'm growing, so uncomfortable for me. As a child, I was pushed through negative emotion quickly. Uh, it was like, you know, you had a bad game. Okay, the next one will be better. Hey, cheer up. At least you have this going for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. it was like, get out of it. Distract yourself from it. Don't live in the pain. Get yeah. out of it as soon as possible. Fix it, fix it, fix it. And so I was never coached or shown or um, made to feel safe in the midst of negative emotion. And so as a pastor, when someone would share something with me, I would try to get over it and through it as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a heart deficit. That yep. is an ill-equipped, unequipped heart. Yep. And recently that's been growing for me. So yeah. anyways, these are all the ways that our heart grows mature and how the local church participates in that growth. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, it depends on what your experiences are. Your small group experience could be not so great. Um, but I think a good way of exercising your heart and growing your heart and maturity is... Um, Wow, how do I love and have a relationship with imperfect people? Because mm. that could be something that you've experienced. It's just like, this is too complicated. This is yeah. too hard. And yeah, what, I'm not just not going to do this anymore. But, you know, the, the thing to remember, too, is like, if, if you're listening to this, and you're like, wow, I need a group like that. And you show up at a group and you're like, well, my group didn't do that for me. Okay, guys, this is not a microwave fix. The people in your mm-hmm. group have broken hearts, too. Like, yep. this is not, please don't use people in this way. That's yeah. not going to work. Mm-hmm. I think the best thing to do is pour out your heart, and you'll discover that over time people will pour theirs out towards you. Yes. And mm-hmm. so um, if you, though, really do need someone whose um, heart is very, very mature, you probably should go pay for it with a professional counselor. There's that <laughs> yeah. Those yeah. people, yeah. And, and Adam, you've done a, a, a quite ton. a bit of counseling personally. <laughs> That is an area where it's like, 
I'm, this person's been trained. They've spent so much uh-huh. of their life developing their heart. Yeah. I'm actually going to pay them for their time. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's kind of yeah. what counseling can be, correct? Oh, yeah. No, I'd say in my experience, it has very much been when they're trained in it. Two, for me, I'm, I'm kind of wired to be transactional. And uh, yeah, when I pay for an hour of your time, I get to talk about whatever I want to talk about, whatever I need to talk about. And I don't feel guilty about it. <laughs> yeah. But also that has extended my friendships too now to where I realized I have an investment in this friendship, a, f- a few, not, not, not 20, yeah. you know, three maybe um, of, of people that I, I can be extremely vulnerable with and I can say, hey, I need this. Mm-hmm. And um, that has proved to be super healthy in complement to counseling. So. Yeah, yeah. So is this important to not expect too much of your small group? And, uh, you know, I said this in our vision series, like, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, that's not been my experience in my group or my Bible study or my class, it's like, we know. That's why we got work to do. And uh, we're going to work on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, so, man, I, uh, I hope that people can start exploring this a little bit more. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just in, in, intrigued or piqued some interest what it means to grow the heart. Um, yeah, I just wouldn't want people to walk away thinking a, you know, I'm going to grow my heart. It means, um, I'm going to feel sorry for this, uh, person that I passed by on the street. All right. Oh, there's this, that commercial with the children with no food. And so I'm going to get, like, those are all good things, but, uh, really exercising your heart takes an incredibly, large amount of, of work and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So it's not a, if you need to work on your heart, I don't want you to think, oh, that's an easy one to check off. It takes a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, for me, it's, 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 it's a challenge. It really is. It really mm-hmm. is. And, uh, um, but I've seen uh, some fruit in my own life. And so we want to, um, and it honors God. Like I see mm-hmm. how he's wired, um, us for this. Um, and, and the heart's talked about quite a bit in the Bible, interestingly enough. Um, and so this is important to God, mm-hmm. and it's important to us. And it's it's what Jesus says: love the Lord your God with all your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans five five talks about God has poured His love out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit He's given us. God wants His love, that relationship, to be a key resource of fuel from Him. It's not people fuel; it's like it's God fuel at that point. It's that mm-hmm. we internalize what He's done for us, and that would that would be a huge nutrient for us too. Yeah. Um, and yet. Even in Genesis, it was not good for Adam to be alone. Like, yeah. God's mm-hmm. wired us to get nutrients from others. And so that happens here through community. Uh, we hope that classes for your head have a small dose of community. We think groups, though, can have the largest dose yeah. of, of nutrient transfer. That sounds weird, but uh, mm. read the book, People Fuel, and that'll make sense to you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, guys, let's go ahead and wrap up. Any other final thoughts on the heart and how we equip it? I think the only thing I'd toss in there would be um, in connection with that experience of small groups, that one of our values is we we honor the process in which God changes people from the inside out. And I think a lot of times we look at that through the lens of either head or hands, right? That, you know, you're on a journey learning more about the Bible, more about theology. You're good where you're at. Uh, When it comes to serving, kind of investing in that way, you're good where you're at. Just, you know, we're trusting the process. But when it comes to heart, sometimes we can be like, man, why can't you just share? (laughs) Why can't you you just, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think, I mean, there is a a place to do that, to be really clear and to set a boundary or to explain what we need in that way. Um, And at the same time, uh, you know, within your small group, just being gracious with the people, um, I guess, allowing space for people and time for people to grow in the category of heart. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Grace, truth, and time uh, are the key nutrients in the soil to help these, help this all grow. But you make a really great point. You can take an eight week class on apologetics and memorize 
the cosmological argument for the existence of God and be good to go. Like that, yeah. you, your mind can be equipped with that in a, mm-hmm. I mean, not even eight weeks. You can watch an eight minute YouTube video and be ready to roll, you know, like mm-hmm. that's great. And with the hands, it's like, you know, hands is sort of obedience to Jesus. And, and, and some things that process is longer, but in some things it's like, well, I wasn't giving. So I started to give boom, took care of it. The heart, you make a great point. It might be the one that takes the most time uh, in nurturing to see that maturity. I would say so. I would yeah. say so. Wow, I mean, write that down, Trevor, for yeah. <laughs> Just like right. your example, like you said, head authority. Oh, I need to um, exercise uh, you know, the authority over how my life. How to read the Bible. Yeah. Or how to read a Bible. Or yeah. like you just said, finances, right? Yeah. Like God says this about finances, so I'm going to, okay, I'm going to do it. Yep. Uh, hands is, okay, so I need to join a team to serve. Okay, done. Okay, check. Yeah. Showed up on time, wore my name yeah. tag at church, mm-hmm. opened the door, done. Done. Yeah. Disciple. And then heart is much more than, okay, I joined a small group and I showed up. <laughs> There's no. a lot underneath there. So yeah, there yeah. is a lot of grace that we need to have with, with people on their journey and that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Excellent. Well, thank you uh, listeners for being here today. Thank you, Trevor and Pastor Eric for being here as well. I'm excited for one more week. We'll be talking about hands next week. I hope uh, everybody here um, gets the opportunity to be at church this weekend as we wrap that up. And uh, just so appreciate your time. And thank you for for sharing and leaving a review on this podcast. Uh, We will see you again next week. Until then, take care. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed this hopeful and helpful resource, we'd love to have you leave us a review or share an episode with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit us at our website at smccutah.org. Thank you for trusting us with your time, and we look forward to having you back again soon.